to Permaculture tonight. We have a very special show tonight. Two of my very good friends from the Petaluma Seed Bank are visiting us via Skype. Paul and Eileen helped start the Petaluma Seed Bank, and that's a part of the Baker Creek Seed Company. And they also organize and run the Heirloom Expo up in Santa Rosa, California. Their work is preserving and expanding the heirloom seed catalogs that were basically decimated by the mid-80s. They're bringing back forgotten foods. They are highlighting people who are doing good work. And they're also wonderful people and my good friends. So without further ado, let us talk to Paul and Eileen. Here we go. How did you guys get into the, your position at the seed bank? Because you guys run, together as a couple, you run the Petaluma Seed Bank, right? Is that my, that's my impression. Um, I guess. Uh, I mean, you really. could, you could. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I, I, I guess my, my background, Matt, I was in retail for many years. Uh, and, and we had a, a series of stores. We had about 30, 35 stores and we sold it to Luxatica out of Italy. There were eyewear stores that had nothing to do with gardening. Huh. And um, when, when our son was 15, he uh, one day came up with the bright idea of going to... Our kids were homeschooled, right? Yeah. The bright idea of, of going to Africa and climbing Kilimanjaro. So we, we did. And, and, and as a homeschooled kid, part of his um, education was to... Because he liked gardening. He liked permaculture. Part of his education was to meet farmers and, and, and home growers over there in, in Africa and talk to them about what they grow and how they grow it, what do they do for seed and irrigation. And, and it was at that point that that was like the eye-opener for, for me anyway as to the hold Monsanto and chemical companies have on these poorer nations. But didn't realize that it was exactly the same thing back in this country, the hold the chemical companies have on the food system. So... When it was time to get back and, 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 and back, go back in the workforce, I, I, I um, just happened upon... Our daughter actually works at the library in Sebastopol, and she had heard that Baker Creek Seeds was looking for a, a location here in California. And, and so I just made contact, and I guess the rest is history. So the, wow. the, the seed bank then opened in 2009, and um, we... I guess the year afterwards, we were attending a, a, an heirloom auction at Sotheby's in New York. And it was a, an auction that was, I, I guess, to raise funds for farmers in the Hudson Valley. But the displays were conspicuous by their absence. And, and it occurred to us that we should try and do something about that and, and, and showcase the diversity that mm -hmm. was out there uh, and, and the diversity that's a, a in danger of being lost due to like monocropping and, and genetically modified and pre-treated seed and and um, you know you go to any grocery store there's there's two varieties of tomato you got a Roma and a round red one and 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 you go through the Baker catalog we've got you know a couple of hundred varieties we trial about 400 varieties of tomatoes this year just to show there you go you got it in the back cool look at that right <laughs> so actually in fact next week we we go uh, and, and plant our tomato trials we have about 400 varieties and, and about a dozen plants in each variety so we'll have about a mile and a quarter of tomatoes uh, tomato plants this year just to trial and and um we put 
demand display, of course, at the Heirloom Exposition as well. Um, but then, you know, that that's how the Expo was born, is, is out of a desire to showcase the diversity. And, and um, when, when we uh, decided to rent a building and put produce on display, we contacted a lot of other seed companies and, and they said, yeah, we'd love to help and we'd love to do something with you guys. And um, so it's not about us. It's not about Baker Creek. It's about the whole pure food movement. And um, that was how the expo was born. And, and we, we started adding different components then. And, and um, Eileen headed up the kids day and then we did the livestock and poultry and then giant pumpkins. And we decided to have speakers. In fact, Vandana Shiva came from India that very first year. And uh, she's been involved in some way, shape or form every year since. Um, She's attended every year except one, and she's coming this year and wants to spend two days because it's it's the pure food movement, the seed uh, industry is, is just it's kind of in turmoil, and um, she is the the leader I think nationally, internationally on, on, on the um, seed freedom issue, and she wants to have a seed summit this year at the Erdem Expo. So, um, what is the, that? Can you describe that? You know, it, it's where a bunch of seed group, seed heads get together and, and just talk seeds and, and, and the implications uh, of therein. Uh, you know, seed libraries came under fire uh, this past uh, 18 months. And, and um, uh, I guess the kingpin in the U.S. for, for, for seed, seed library issues is a guy called David King. He's down in Los Angeles and he is helping put together the seed summit. He actually has organized a seed summit at the expo every year, but it hasn't been with an international flavor and involving people like Vandana Shiva. So we think it's going to be a big deal this year where seed enthusiasts and, and seed libraries and seed sellers will just get together and talk seed issues. Um, there, there's, there's, there are huge issues right now with regard to seed. Uh, for instance? Well, in, in California recently, I don't remember the exact um, reference number, but they, they brought out a law recently whereby a farmer could not transport seed from his farm uh, for sale uh, any greater than two and a half miles from his farm. Now, when, 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 when I heard about it, this, it was through Bob McFarland from the California State Grange. And, and um, initially, the law was apparently brought to the table to control a noxious weed that was down in some county around San Diego. But they didn't say that specifically. And when they brought out this blanket law, when Bob saw it, it raised the hair in the back of his neck because he said, hey, this is really playing into the hands of the GMO, uh, the chemical companies that are trying to push the GMOs on the farmers. And so, so let's say you're a farmer and you have a particular variety of wheat or a particular crop, maybe it's a radish or a carrot, whatever it is, uh, this could preclude you from selling that to another neighboring farmer or selling it to a seed company. And um, it, 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 so we went to the state, we met with the state, we met with the USDA people, and they said that it wasn't intended to, uh, to, to imply, you know, any issues relating to GMOs, that it was particularly supposed to control this noxious weed down in San Diego. But they didn't say that. But it would leave the door wide open for the um, 
I guess it's the the, the, the head of the uh, Department of Food and Ag. Uh, he he could have total uh, authority on what could or could not be transported or sold. Period, which is scary thought, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about that. What what kind of things are we missing from our our grocery store? What kind of things could we be having nutritionally and flavor wise? You know, um, it, it's interesting. You 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 mentioned that. If you go to any national chain grocery store, uh, the bulk of the food. You can buy any t anything any time of the year, right? So let's say you want a tomato in January or February. It's not grown locally, uh, so it's trucked in from another country. So when it's trucked in from another country, it's not picked in a ripe state. It's picked in a non-ripe state. Um, if it's not organic, it's entirely possible that it's treated with a, a gas to protect it on its journey by truck from wherever that other country may be, and it ripens en route. Um, now, fruit and vegetables gain their nutrition from the soil. The bulk of that nutrition is gained as it ripens on the vine or in the ground. So if you pick it in a non-ripe state, then it never reaches its full nutritional content, and it only has a fraction of the nutrients that it would otherwise have if you went to your farmer's market and uh, had produce that was picked that day or the day before so um for, for, for one of the main reasons we have this heirloom expo and that we promote people growing their own food is uh, from the nutritional aspect um if you eat seasonally and eat locally you know your farmer you know your food and and it's picked in its highest possible nutritional state um I so i often was your question or not, Matt? Yeah, that, that totally answers my question. I often find that the, the food that I grow, um, especially like the Red Wonder strawberries from, from your catalog, they're so delicate that if you tried to package them in anything less than like a single layer of, of berries, you right. know, yeah. with like crazy amounts of like extra packaging to keep them from hitting each other, you wouldn't get a product that looked good, you know what I mean, for an extended period of time out of those and, and a few other things that, but the the taste of them is beyond explaining. And you what you have to do is you just have to find people, and I do this at school, I, I created that garden at, my, at that high school that I, I taught at for, you know, six years uh, that you guys provided the seeds for. And I would just take those yellow strawberries, and I do this every day now because it's the plants are very big now, and so they put off dozens of fr uh, of, of fruit every day. And so I just stand in there in the morning after I water a little bit and wait for kids to walk by, and I say, "Hey, yellow strawberry," and I, I go and feed the kids strawberries, and I do it to the administrators too, and 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 it's like this undeniable thing happens, where the, it doesn't matter who you are, but if it's a fruit that you like and you taste a new kind of it that you've never experienced something it, it, something triggers within you and it's like a it, it's your heart really it touches your heart and so you understand what diversity is and the importance and why and and i feel like those people you know they're eating mcdonald's 
You know, they right. they're, they're, yeah, they've eaten totally. the same burger. They've eaten the same tomato their whole lives. They have no idea. They're in a little box with no right. windows. That's why education is so important too. Yeah. So that we can get it out there that there's so many varieties. And that's where the farmer's markets also come in. You know, as you say, it doesn't package very well. But someone going to the farmer's market could, would probably get away with selling a product like that. That day. Yeah, at that day. Yeah. Right, right. That the day and, and one of those, because the, they do have half stacks, that, and they don't do them in the, in the stores, but they always have the small half stack, uh, half pints, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And of course, the bulk of our customers are, are backyard gardeners, mm-hmm. and we see that that's increasing more and more. You know, there's families coming in, more people. It, it's the in thing to garden now. So then that we have these seeds, and they can see the diversity, and they're, they're all excited. It's its really encouraging. Well, they're magic. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and the whole the whole food industry has changed dramatically, though, too, Matt, where you've got uh, factory farms growing food for the masses, because in, in years gone by, you know, before the 40s, you had homesteads where people had the cow, and they had the sheep, and they had the goat, and they grew potatoes, and they grew all their other vegetables. In an and an orchard. And there, mm-hmm. Right, exactly. So there was diversity on the farm. And, and, and people ate locally and they ate seasonally. Mm-hmm. And, and, and since the 40s, there's been a massive change uh, in, in agriculture. And the farmer where we grow out to uh, the, all the produce to put on display for the Heirloom Expo, he's an organic farmer in the North Central Valley. He has about 600 acres. He is an incredible man, really genuine and really generous to us because he gives us land. And he gives us labor to grow out all this incredible produce to put on display. But he has four or five main crops. You know, he's got melons, watermelons, asparagus, and some squash, and a ton of tomatoes. And he focuses on those main crops, and he ships all over the country. Now, he does an incredible job, and he is organic. But here's the difference. If you buy a melon from us, from Baker Creek Heirloom Seed at the, at the seed bank, let's say it's a Charente melon, which is a beautiful, beautiful melon. French melon goes to about two, three pounds. Gorgeous it's melon. An, it is, and it's an heirloom variety. But there are hybrid varieties of that same melon. Now, the Charente, the heirloom Charente is a delicate melon. And if you pick it when it's right, it's, be, it's incredible. If you let it go another day, it could pop, it could crack. Now, the hybrid version of that is not as flavorful, but it's more stable for shipping. So this farmer now grows a lot of the Charente melon and ships them all over the country, and they're stable and won't crack. It's just a different strain of that variety of, of melon, of that Charente variety. So when you look at a Charente, there are many, many strains. There are heirloom varieties and there are hybrid varieties. And we make our so, own varieties. I mean, that's, right. that, that's what, yeah. you know, that's what the Gettles really gave me. And that's why I started driving up to, uh, doing pilgrimages to your seed bank. Um, because I just started seeing that, well, when I first started out, like, uh, certain things grew and certain, certain things didn't. A lot of things bolted. And, and, then, and then the next year, everything was eaten by all the gophers and so it's like super discouraged and everyone was like I told you so you shouldn't have tried gardening here and right. and and then I started collecting my seed and planting that 
And then suddenly, like, everything grew. And it was all the all the awesome stuff that, you know, that 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 I could get from Baker Creek, I could adapt to my dry, arid climate. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and then like within two to three seasons, I have my own varieties that are completely different. And no one has them but me. And yeah. so it's like I am now a seed bank onto my own local area. And it's like that was the ghettos, you know, and every time I get seed it's like a challenge. It, you guys provide such diversity that I get it, and it's like, I know that you guys are the only ones that have it. Mm-hmm. And so now it is this trust that I get it, and I need to multiply it. And I'm going to screw up. i got to come back to you. <laughs> and it's, and it's I do. Just save your seed. Yeah. How long have you been saving your seed? How long? Uh, five, yeah. uh, five, six, mm, I think it's maybe seven years now. Wow, that's great. Because we encourage people to save seed, and still that that is not happening a lot. Yes, but it's... what happens is what happened for you. You pick the best seed of best plants. You save the seed in your area. It does well in your garden, and now you got what does well where you are. That's that's exactly the beauty of heirlooms. And and and, and yeah, and that's the it's 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 the full responsibility. It's our us partaking with nature, and it's nature yeah. partaking with us and it's this hand-in-hand relationship that we we have and the end and i mean in our area we're on the extreme edge where we're at burned last year when it was national news we i mean in the middle of summer here it's always over 100 every day and the soil outside wow. is so brittle that you can just it's either you can hit it with a hammer and it won't do anything or it's just like sand like dust and then blows wow. away so and so like adapting seeds to this area you know Mm -hmm. you you're not going to get it at a you're not going to get the genes you need yeah and Mm -hmm. so and and you're not going to get the diversity you need to adapt and so what i do is it's like i tend to go through your catalog and i tend to pick like three to four uh, varieties of each kind so it's like if i get carrots i need to get at least three three to four if not twelve because when I save seed, I want those things to cross because what's going on is not just in a, a true cross, which has limited variability. It's this wild cross, right, between all these different varieties. And so the amount of, of mathematical interchange between all those things is much, much higher. So the adaptability and the chance for adapt, uh, adaptation for finding a much better suited uh, adaptation for that area is higher and so that's what I do yeah, that's cool. great so Good it's like plan. mass diversity planting <laughs> yeah yeah cool. that's yeah. really interesting that's great do, do and you... then you're teaching the kids that you were teaching the kids that at the school yeah uh, one thing I did I have I have I have like six to nine different I don't know how many survived but I have six to nine maybe 12 different varieties of potato at the school and what I did was I got uh, I, I, I talked to the USDA and through the GRIN database, I got potatoes from Peru. And I got potatoes that wow. no one has. So I got like really, like really interesting ones. Cause we're at uh, almost 2000 feet. So we're higher elevation. So yeah, so, so it's really exciting. They didn't grow the first year, but it's been two years and they all grew this year. So I'm, I'm really interested to see what's going on. There's red ones, there's purple, there's yellow, there's orange. It's gonna be really cool. Oh, wow. wow! Good for you! That's wow! Great. 
Yeah, that's what it's about. And I want, I, I really want, I've got one going to flower. I want to see if I can do some, some breeding maybe, you know. You're really, you're really into it now, huh? <laughs> Well, you know how it is. I'm sure you know yeah. how it is. Once yeah. you get that bug, it's just in there. Yeah, it is. And it, it's wonderful. You know, we, that's, as you probably know, the heirloom expo, it's a, it's a not-for-profit. And it goes back to school gardens. Mm-hmm. And, you know, teaching the kids, that, that's really so important because then they see, like, what you're doing. And then they get that bug. And then... Then they're hooked. Oh, yeah. And that's the next generation of gardeners. Mm-hmm. And then instead of having a lawn, they may have a garden. Yeah, okay. and not only that, they'll share with all their friends because their yeah. excitement will be, they can't contain it. I mean, I can't contain it. I want yeah. to share the, the, the flavors with everyone, and everyone who tastes it is converted. Yeah, it's a revolution. Yeah, it, it really is. Because I, for me, yeah. it's like it's like part of my, my, like, my genes remember. It's like I taste this food and I feel connected to my past and I feel connected to all the people that have worked on this food and brought it forward and carried our heritage forward, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I just feel swept up with it, you know? It's a wonderful feeling. Yeah. Actually, um, you know, I, the drought is pretty bad in California now. Mm-hmm. But that, that has its blessings too because last year, I guess, we saw the effect of it a little bit in the store. But this year, we seem to be busier than ever. But there was a customer in last week, and he was from uh, down south, the Los Angeles area, mm-hmm. and he was a landscaper. And I said, oh, boy, how, how is the drought affecting you? But he said, everybody's taking out their lawns. So the blessing of the drought is people are taking out their lawns. Uh, they can put in a navigation system, and they're putting in gardens. Yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah, so it's... Uh, and gray water, I think, is going to take off. Circling. Yeah. Yeah. Gray water is the next step. Once gray water takes off, we're going to see a, such a change in the landscape. Because literally, millions and billions of gallons of water will suddenly go into the areas around everyone's house, fireproofing mm-hmm. them. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. We yeah. had a class recently, didn't we, on gray We had water? a class here at the Sea Bank on gray water. <sighs> and... Uh, we, we have a couple of vendors now this year, new vendors that are coming from far afield to come and talk about uh, and, 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 and sell their gray water systems. So it's, it is a big issue. It's a hot topic now. Yeah. And I, I think, I mean, legislatively, I don't think they can stand in the way. There's just a dire need for it. We really need yeah. to water our landscape with gray water. And if they have an issue, we need to bring in micro-remediation and have wood chips inoculated with mushroom spawn and that that does treat water and so you know what i mean just that kind of simple step of having the water go through like a, a mushroom bed like that mm-hmm. that that's all we would need and if we just had that as a regulation i mean what a what a re- wonderful regulation that would be right well let's let's talk about what's upcoming this year so the the expo is happening again this is the fifth year Yes. It is. Yeah. Fifth year. Yeah. My wife was there for year one, two, three, and this year four. We had some complications, but we're coming for we're coming for five. I'm going to be a speaker. I can't wait. Can you tell us some uh, some something else about it? (laughs) Well, um, you know, it's 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 grown tremendously Mm -hmm. from year one. this year we'll have over a hundred educational speakers, um, 
people, leaders in their fields all over the country, in fact, all over the world. Um, the other elements that we've had that we've kind of built upon are, are the displays. This year we'll have between four and 5,000 varieties on display. Um, just to showcase the diversity, you know, that, you, that, that amazing tower of squash uh, is normally built for us by a guy called Matt Condell, who is um, from Illinois, and he comes every year from Illinois to do that. And he actually did the display at the White House in uh, 2010. So he's pretty well got in the cucurbit world. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we'll have about 300 uh, on-topic vendors. So we... Not there's anything wrong with hot tubs and hot dogs, but we really want to keep it focused on pure food, farming, and gardening. So all of the vendors will be of that theme. Um, we'll have about three dozen uh, food vendors uh, with tremendous uh, pure food fare. So again, high fructose corn syrup is outlawed as far as we're concerned. So it's 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 pure food food vendors that will have been vetted, you know, with organic. Uh, fair and and um then this year we're, we're we're going to of course we have a giant pumpkin contest um we have uh my son has entered in that what's that my son has entered in that cool well, what does the kid the kids one yeah yeah he's in the kids yeah. one but he's entered in he knows that's cool, yeah <laughs> we got the livestock and poultry show uh this year we're going to have an old uh, tractor or equipment display uh, we have uh, some sidewalk chalk art um, coming this year. We have uh, a honey show, which is new to us this year. We've got two judges coming from the East Coast to judge the honey show. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be really exciting. And then, of course, in conjunction with the Men's Garden Club of Santa Rosa, which really isn't a men's garden club, it's men and women, but back in the day they called it the men's garden club and um even the ladies don't want to change the name because of the history attached or involved but so they they, they uh in conjunction with us this year we'll be doing a pumpkin and sunflower growing contest for the kids and and uh we have received incredible interest in this uh we must have how many entries at this point 50 60 entries oh yeah more probably um and, and that's just gathered here at the seed bank the the, the garden club itself has gathered more so we'll have hundred plus entries in this kids pumpkin and sunflower growing contest um well i hope to I, i'm i'm actually starting a, a permaculture homeschool group up in sonoma county so hopefully i can inspire all the kids to join the contest and hopefully we can be there every single day uh, fantastic. That, that would be fantastic. great if you need applications and steve for that or if you know anyone that does we're happy to to get them out mm -hmm. and then of course we have the kids day at the expo and and the kids day started the first year we had about between six and eight hundred kids the first year and then the second year it was 1500 and then 2000 and 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 then last year we had over 3000 kids come on kids day for fun but educational activities and um this is school groups do school tours uh, to the event, uh, and field home, trips, and, home, and, homeschool and then too. homeschool groups as well come yeah. uh, with, with their parents, and it's it's just a blast, it really is, so that's another area, well that's an area that Eileen heads up at the Expo primarily, and, and um, that is an area we want to grow as well, because the kids are the future of the food industry, the pure food movement. Absolutely. So we yeah. need to have their hands in the dirt, we need them playing with soil and tasting everything, and then getting excited and enthusiastic. My, both my sons want to grow up to be farmers. They tell everyone they need. <laughs> cool. 
<laughs> How old are they now? Um, they're they're uh, four and eight now. Four and eight. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, they have good example there with you. Yeah. Well, you know, we have we're almost up to two acres now. Wow. Wow. In the past. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually put it all into swales in the past year with it myself with a shovel. Wow! Wow! We, I had some help from one swale class I did, but uh, yeah, okay. it's been it's been a it's been a lot of work, but it's been a labor of love, and I have over five hundred varieties this year. So, wow! <laughs> I have wow. over eight hundred uh, tomato plants that I'm that I'm uh, putting in right now. So. Boy, oh boy, that's incredible. <laughs> You'll well, be busy. <laughs> yeah, but that's. You'll be outside and yeah, have a good time. Yeah, well, that's you know that's this part of the thing. I'm transitioning. I'm I'm making the leap like you like when you found out the truth and you just felt like this. You know, you started the seed bank. I feel like I I tasted something that opened my mind and opened my heart and it aligned with everything I always believed and it felt like an imperative because of the tragedy of our of our food system and 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 and, and because my wife has had cancer three times and I, the fact that I have two boys so it's like it's an imperative and I feel like your mission the the seed bank mission and the Gettle family mission at Baker Creek it's all it's all the same and I feel like we're all in this together and it's so exciting that everyone seems to be recognizing it and everyone's hearts are opening and uh -huh. people are planting gardens everywhere right and, right right yeah. yeah it's amazing I got an email today from um, someone at the permaculture skills center mm -hmm. Eric Eric well yeah. this one came from Ryan who used okay. to work with the attacks mm -hmm. and and um, they're starting a farm school. I hadn't realized that. Yeah. She, That's awesome. I, um, somebody passed in flowers today. Right. So, they're, so yeah. they're starting a farm school. It's going to start in August. And um, they, they, it might interest you to chat with them as well about, about the farm school. It sounds real interesting. I'm seeing them on Saturday at their party. Are you mm -hmm. going? No. No. Okay. No. No. Can't All right, well, I'll, I'll catch you another weekend then. Well, maybe we'll just stop by the seed bank sometime during the week. Okay. Right, right, right. So when are you moving up your full-time, uh, Matt? Um, either the summer, by midsummer, or, I mean, it's got to be in the summer sometime. So, yeah, this summer. Okay. Soon. <laughs> I, I've, just, I've got things, I'm automating things over here. I'm selling animals that I'm not going to bring up there right now. I'm just kind of tying things up and planning the last of the starts and so clearing out the greenhouses getting ready to pack it all up wow wow who's going to take care of things there well i am i'm going everything's going to be automated and i'm going to have it stripped down enough that um the goats uh will be weaned i have two goat goat kids that will be weaned by the time we move out and we'll either take the milking dough with us and use that as part of the school, um, or sell it, which I don't want to sell it. Oh man, I, I don't know if you guys have ever milked an animal every day, but even when that animal is ornery and, and, and bossy, but when you have an animal that you milk every day, you grow attached to that animal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't want to 
get rid of it. But yeah, I'm doing all those kind of hard decisions and but like the it I mean, I think I've got enough mulch in the ground. The watering system is automated and my dog's going to stay. So I I think it it'll be fine. Hmm. Um The thing uh, is it's like the animals are so aggressive here that you'll know as you plant. You'll be like, "Well, nothing grew here. I planted seeds a month ago." I'm going to plant something different this time. You know what I mean? Like there's, I don't use fences or anything. Like that's the thing. I'm like the, I'm like Sepp Holzer style, Fukuoka style kind of gardener. So I want to throw things. I want, um, to, and I do, I do the smaller seeds usually in starts or clearing area and whatnot. But I want to mostly throw things and do light scatter mulch and walk away. Um, uh. And it works really well if you choose the right varieties. So like strawberry spinach from your catalog was never eaten by animals here until this year because it's lamb's quarters. And it only gets eaten when it's isolated on the fringes and they can recognize it as something different. Okay. But like in systems, they don't recognize it as food and it never gets eaten. Wow. And it lasts through our August where it's over a hundred. So you can, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, and the berries, I found, they. you guys say that they're insipid, but the berries, if you cook them in savory dishes, they're actually awesome. So I was like, really? right. yeah, so they're not sweet. So I was like, uh, all right. And I threw them in, in a savory dish, and they were great. Really good? Oh, yeah. good. So just, you know. Um, and then uh, what else? Oh, the orange giant uh, amaranth. I have that on the edges everywhere because it grows so fast and vigorously that deer eat it down and it regrows and I can get some and the deer get some. So I line all the edges with it. For real. I line the edges of my system and they literally walk up to the system and eat and then don't go in. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's very clever. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so I mean, it's all about diversity and I've yeah. just trial and error and... Um, no one really knows what the diversity is in the in the genome that you guys are working with. I mean, the the amount of genes in your seed bank is greater than any I don't know single location I can think of, um, other than that one and and that's the uh, Bill Gates one in, in the Netherlands, but they don't count. <laughs> They're not for people. Those are for someone else. So do you save the seeds from the amaranth? Do you use the seed? Oh, I still have the first seed back from uh, three years ago. And the right. second year I got like a, like a, maybe uh, a cup. Or, right. or the first year I got a cup from one plant. Right. And then I planted that whole cup and I got two quart bags full from one uh, cup. Uh, hmm. And this year I planted almost that one quart bag, but I still have that other quart bag. And I give away seed for free. I mean, right. yeah. that's the thing you guys inspire, because I'm, I'm a school teacher, so you gave me seeds, so I'm like saving all the seed, and I'm like, well, of course you can have it. You know, so I've been giving away seed this whole time through the yeah. students. And, and it's like, and I show them how to save it, and then they're saving seed, and then I get seed back from them, and it, it's amazing. It's totally amazing. And it's just, you just start the conversation, and you just, or show people, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, if you need anything else, Matt, at this point, let us know, you know? Okay, yeah. yeah. How about, Steve? I'm working, I'm actually working on the Peruvian corn of yours. 
I'm, 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 I'm trying, I think I've got it into an area, I've got it on a side of a hill that is, doesn't get morning sunlight, it gets afternoon light. So it's a short time period and it's pretty tall, like the sun's pretty above it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think it's gonna, and it's 2,000 feet, so I think it's gonna feel Peruvian to it. So hopefully I can, I can get it to tassel out. And I'm growing, yeah, I'm growing five of those, the five of the varieties from uh, your Peruvian uh, selections. Maybe they'll cross. Well, just no, maybe they will. Are yeah. you growing them all into one spot? <laughs> well, yeah, I'm growing them away from everything. And the thing is, it's, they're, you know, they're expensive. So, and they rightfully so, right? They're super rare seeds. The, each seed is this big, right? You know, it's the, it's bigger than a quarter because our audience is just wow. listening. So, I'm, in my mind, I'm imagining hominy that each piece is a, a meal, like steak hominy, right? Um, yeah, and so, yeah, so it's totally worth, you know, the price. I just, I just wasn't going to get all one variety because you know how I am, right? So I could have gotten packs, uh, I could have gotten mm, 10 packs of one kind or I could have gotten five kinds with two packs each. So that's what I did. Right. I, I also just figure the, whatever I get, if I do get something that's adapted to here, that's better than gambling all my chips on one variety adapting yeah just remember it's entirely possible that it will cross oh that's wonderful i want to cross because of the whole the, of the whole genetic reality and then I when i want to purify something next year i'll purify you know and then i'll start f focusing on breeding that specific trait you know but but for now i'm just focusing on on creating as many varieties as possible like that's for exciting. For corn, I have over 20 varieties. I probably have 30 to 40 varieties of corn. Wow. Because yeah. I've been breeding it this whole time and not trying to like protect anything. So I sa right. I'm saving samples of edges. I'm saving samples of the, the insides of, the, of, the, of the, um, the stands. So I get pure stuff from the inside. I get mixed stuff from the outside. And I keep them all separate and everything, but it's amazing. I've got I've gotten like painted uh, mountain corn with chin mark uh, cross, and so it's just oh, you get these these see through like chin mark um, swirls over like every rainbow color you can imagine corn, you know. So uh -huh. yeah, I love it. And then I love working with popcorn because you get these like glass like colors out of them. And you can, yeah, I got, actually, I got a, um, a clear yellow, white um, chin mark going right now. That's beautiful. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Good for you. How long have you been gardening, Matt? Seven years. Only seven years? Well, the thing wow. is, I, I attacked it from the perspective, I went from doing my master's in education to being like, okay, I'm done with studying school. And I just started studying gardening and permaculture. So the like the first book I read was Carol Depp's um, Resilient Gardener. Oh yeah, we have that book at the store. And then yeah. I I mean I, I reread consistently her um, her book on breeding vegetables right here. Breed your own vegetable varieties: pop beans, purple peas, and other innovations from the backyard garden. It's absolutely incredible. And actually, at times it does totally go over my head mathematically. Um, because of the, uh, 
I, I just, I just, I'm not good enough with math to um, do some of the the breeding things that are advanced that she does. But it's wonderful to have a book that does go over my head, because a lot of the gardening yeah. books that are out there are introductory, and it's wonderful that you guys carry that book too. You carry advanced stuff with beginner stuff, so that people that want that challenge can just jump. Yeah. And that's what I did. Wow, you've done a lot in seven years. Wow. <laughs> Thanks. That's amazing. You really found your niche. I feel I feel like that's true. I really do. Yeah. And that's why I'm starting the Permaculture Homeschool and moving up to your area. And that's why wow. I'm speaking. I spoke at PV2. That's why I'm speaking at Aerial Expo. I really feel like I've, I'm drawn and I feel like there's no one... I've, there, there's no one from the educational community doing what I'm doing in my area and in that area too, so. Yeah, there's a huge homeschool, um, not, you know, there's huge homeschooling interest in this area. It's yeah. really big. And I think the thing is what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to create systems that are small and everyone can do. So it's yeah. not about me or whatever I'm doing so much as what I'm doing for you and everyone else. I'm trying to do things, I'm trying to come up with a new way to school so that everyone's gardens are healthy, everyone's gray water systems are up in the next three, four years. Yeah. Um, because yeah. if everyone's doing service learning, so it's like this week we're learning about gray water and we cover the science of gray water and then we go and install gray water systems on two or three of the, the family's properties. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the kids are like, well, we're going to go do it on the rest of our properties and then they go and do it because they've done it three times with the teacher, you know? And then the next week after that, it's like, all right, well, we're going to cover composting and we're going to build a compost heap. And you know what I mean? And and every week it'll be something new and it will be directly tied how to live sustainably and ethically on our planet. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's really wonderful. Wow. I feel feel like we're going to be at at the seed bank a lot. That's good. Yeah, we should have. You know, you should have regular field trips. You know. Oh yeah, the, I you guys are on the list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When when our son was um, in in school, he he was homeschooled, of course, but he took some outside classes at a place called Pathways Charter School, and they're now in a different location. But when they were in their former location, they had permaculture classes, and that's they're primarily what he did there at Pathways permaculture classes. Wow. Yeah. They're an incredible teacher who has since passed away. Oh. But um, he, he did a lot of incredible work with the kids based upon something what you're talking about now. I mean, they would build ponds and they would, you know, plant stuff, harvest stuff, save their seed. It was just, it was a wonderful learning experience. And, and you know, actually, that's my fear is that I would create something and I would, and I would just do it and be successful and disappear and then it would never continue. Because I've discovered in my research, because I started this and being like, I'm the first person to do this textbook. And everyone's like, well, you know, people have taught this in school. And it's, that's the thing is it's, they teach for four to five years and then the school program loses its funding. And then permaculture lasts for those, that, that, you know, a couple grades of kids and then that's it. So we need to do something that makes it so it's permanent. And so that's why I'm trying to create the full curricular arc. Sustainable, right? Right, right. And there's no curriculum that everyone respects out there, and that's why I'm, that's what the permaculture student is. 
Mm-hmm. And that's why I tied in Jeff Lawton, and that's why Rosemary Morrow, and and all and all those different people to help with the textbook to try to make it right. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I was so, just thinking, actually, I, I need to ask you if I could do a vendor's booth because I think I'll have my book will be ready by oh, by great. the expo. That'd so. be great. That it's a perfect it's a perfect tie-in. That would be absolutely great. Okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. thank you so much for talking with me today. Me too, Matt. We'll, Thanks, send you, Matt. we'll send you the vendor form. Why don't you download the vendor form? All right. Well, that was Paul and Eileen Wallace. They're from the Petaluma Seed Bank and the Heirloom Expo up in Santa Rosa every single fall. They're unbelievable people. and the Matt, I mean, they're just some of the nicest people I know. And they always just have this depth of care that you don't find everywhere. And they bring that to their business and they bring that to the expo. And I, 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 I've gone every year that I could go. I've gone three out of four years. And it's just a super special thing. And I think that everyone would enjoy it if they could make it to Santa Rosa. Hopefully, eventually, the Heirloom Expo will be a traveling expo and we'll have it in all the major cities. Have a great week, and thank you so much for listening to the Permaculture Tonight podcast. I hope that all of you learn something, find something valuable that starts something new in your heart that allows you to go out and change the world to make it a better place and allows you to share the love you feel for the planet and for other people. I hope that all of you feel inspired as I feel inspired. Have a great week. Bye.